Ready? Three, two, one. back to episode six of Artists Impressions. Um, I've had a week off, but I'm back. Today I'm joined by Honor Bathurst, who's a painter, a printmaker, a seamstress and a costume designer. How are you, Honor? Welcome to the Thank podcast. Thank you for me. <laughs> Very excited. Oh. oh, you're so welcome. Um, I would like to start by talking about um, the prints you're doing right now at the moment. You've recently um, shared on your Instagram some really beautiful um, monotypes and I was wondering if you could just talk about where your creative brain is at the moment and what what you're producing at the moment the prints are <laughs> I'm just dancing around all over the place and the, the prints um, are cool because I wanted to originally use printmaking because you can make lots of the same image um and I went and bought a pasta machine because I'd heard that you could make use the pasta machine as a printing press. And um, there's a kind of version of eBay in France, which is really brilliant. It's called Le Bon Coin. Um, yeah. And so me and my friend cycled to get this pasta machine. Um, and I really haven't worked out how to use it as a press. <laughs> it just doesn't work. <laughs> So the ones that I was putting on Instagram are um, just monoprints um, and I really love it because you don't know what it's going to look like so there's this element that you can't control and it's just really enjoyable. Sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes it looks wonderful and um, I've been kind of working into them afterwards with pastel and um, and things and just experimenting lots but um yeah, and there's something also about printmaking which I find. Well, first of all, it's it's very it's quite quick and immediate. It can also take hours, but it's I find it's um, it's useful for picking out something that interested you, like looking for a sketchbook, print picking out one little tiny drawing, and then just and make it into a print somehow brings out the symbolism in that drawing. I don't know. It, it kind of. Um, makes that little thing significant and I I yeah I really I really enjoy it and I'd love to work out how to use the the press and to be able to just yeah bung them out (laughs) um I feel like with the pasta machine you'd need like lots of extra people to hold oh my god it's a nightmare (laughs) and it must get ink everywhere I'm sure you'll manage it I can I can see how it could work I've, I've watched so many YouTube videos um of like sweet old ladies in South Wales just like um you can kind of deconstruct it and do all this stuff and because we just moved into this flat I don't have a saw and I don't have um yeah. wood to hand although um I I don't feel like this is it's you have this in London but in Paris is so much on the streets and it's just brilliant for scavenging and every day I'd come back with like wood to paint on or or sort of acetate or you know so I've been yeah. trying to um trying to expect and, and sometimes actually once I found a huge bag of um beautiful material that some fashion student or interior design mm. 
person like lots of testers and stuff so that's kept me going um but yeah part of the conversation I want to talk about the processes of your making because I feel like so often when people talk about art they forget to talk about the actual creation of it um but I also want to talk about the development of your practice because I'm interested in um I know you have a foundation diploma but your degree is in history of art and French and I'm wondering was it a conscious decision to not go to art school but pursue your creative practice or was it more natural you um went to university and just kept making and developed a practice um, naturally? Well, yeah, it's it's something that I've reflected on quite a lot, but recently, because having graduated and having not gone to art school and suddenly having to sort of um, pronounce myself as an artist, (laughs) it's, it's been quite difficult. And I think that it's, I don't know, I didn't go to art school, but I get the sense that that's sort of what you learn apart from having the space and time to develop your work is you learn how to call yourself an artist or to or to um or you just kind of come to understand it as something worthwhile or you know you've got you're surrounded by artists and so it's a worthwhile thing to be doing and I don't know I've had to kind of um uh convince myself of that but I yeah, have recently been thinking that it would have been, as a result, it would have been nice to have gone to art school. Um, And I'm really pleased that I did my foundation uh, in Leeds. It was one of the few uh, foundations offering a costume course, which Bournemouth was the other one, um, which where you went to. (laughs) Um, But it's interesting because you you went and did painting instead, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, and Um... I did the opposite. Yeah, I mean, this podcast is about you, but I'll... <laughs> I'll um, yeah, I think that was because I felt like I wanted the space to paint more than I wanted the space to make costumes because I knew that I could sew. I knew that I'd be able to make costumes at university, but I knew that I wouldn't have time or space to paint so much once I got to my degree. And so I thought I'd rather just use the studio and the the mandate to paint um, rather than make lots of costumes that I could be doing anyway. But I probably would have learnt some things that I didn't learn. Um, I suppose for you it's lovely that you've been able to just develop your your painting without the sort of pressure or the watchful eye of some conceptual artist who wants you to go off. I remember one of my tutors wanting me to... Um, explore the nature of paint rather than paint um and yeah I I think it must be lovely that you've been able to just do what naturally um comes out onto the page rather than think about some sort of learning objectives no I, I agree I I feel that definitely um and I think that if I was under as you say the watchful eye of tutors I would take their words too much I I find it difficult to take some things and leave other things and I think that you have to be quite um confident in what you're doing to be able to do that um but I found it um I specialized in costume and then all of the conceptual side of that made sense when I was making physical things and for the body and working from poems and plays um 
that makes sense and whereas I think less so now but until until recently um drawing and painting has just mostly been a tool for observing and understanding my surroundings um and I've spent time in France and so that has always been um really sort of uh yeah, central to just finding my place and looking at things and yeah. understanding through looking, um, even if I'll never quite understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's always been something buzzing underneath, um, I don't know, drawing my drawing and painting that I've, I've never um, quite... So I've always moved on before I haven't followed it through and so yeah. that th- I think there has always been a sort of conceptual undercurrent that I've never pushed yeah. far enough and um yeah. that's what I've begun to explore in a bit more depth um recently though it still yeah. very much remains something uh that has a practical value yeah. um that uh I I just like drawing for the sake of drawing and at other times yeah. I really dig into what 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 appeals to me and what's going on with what I'm looking at um but it's um yeah it's 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 cool having um the the degree behind I suppose is something solid and I yeah I think that it will come into its own because at the moment I'm I don't know I I definitely I know that I spent three four years (laughs) you know writing and learning but I'm struggling to sort of work out exactly what I did learn on my degree and why it's useful I think I'm gonna see that soon at some point it's gonna be filtering through but it's um at the moment it doesn't feel super relevant Mm. I I have a similar feeling about my degree you were saying that it's hard to um call yourself an artist but you are exhibiting some work in Falmouth at the moment that must help with the taking on the title of artist well, yeah, I mean, it's nice. Um, it's a friend of a friend um, and it's a little gallery. I haven't actually been there because it's only recently yeah. opened up um, in Falmouth. So, um, yeah, I've got a few prints and um, mostly stuff that I made in France uh, a few years ago. Um, I spent a summer working as an au pair in the Alps and uh, ended up working so it was for a farming family and um the mother broke her knee so I ended up sort of milking the goats and cows and running up the mountain and and it was really like Heidi yeah yeah exactly (laughs) sort of mix of um Heidi and um sort of Von Trapp family I don't really know but there was a lot of time to draw and paint and um very limited materials as well because it was just a local village with a sort of stationery shop so I made some some prints, stencilly kind of prints, but um, that was really a solid block of time for just mm. going back to the same places and presenting them in different ways and seeing sort of funny chalets and weird mountains at different times of day. And it, it's mm. also somewhere where the weather changes so drastically, mm. um, very quickly, and we'd ha- we had in August sort of a day of snow and then it would be boiling hot and I don't know it was it's a I went back this summer and it was um really uh yes holds a place in my heart um which is nice 
Of course. Um, now I'm going to ask you some quick questions about your practice, because I'm going to be honest to Honor and the listeners. I really do stare at your work, uh, particularly your sort of where you've used watercolour or gouache, because I use quite a lot of like heavy oil paint and I really do struggle with layering nicely with watercolour. And I'm very nosy about <laughs> the way you make your work. Um, so do you um, do you keep a sketchbook or do you have a pile of paper that you work through or both um always a sketchbook and um and for for the last six years I feel like I've yeah always have one on me and I really love the ones from um Cassart they do these A4 ones you can get three for like six quid and they're so thin you can just put them in your bag and yeah and but they're they're A4 so you've got enough space to kind of work on but um But the paper isn't super thick, so when you're using watercolour and stuff, it all gets a bit mm. mushy. But Yeah, that's quite nice, though. I think the, um, the having a paperback sketchbook is quite nice because it feels a bit more casual. I often have the hardback ones and it feels a bit more serious and then you, you're nervous to, to draw in it. Um, so, yeah, so the paperback sketchbook is a good idea. And um, so you mostly draw from life. Do you ever draw from memory? I know you make prints from your drawings... Um, but is it is it mostly from life? Well, that's interesting because um, at first it's I'm I'm looking at something and yeah from life and yeah. um, sometimes I'll be running around and I'll take pictures and I'll go over them and I'll, I'll look at them and be like oh that's interesting but um, it's interesting that yeah the idea of, of of drawing or painting from memory because I think that's when if you're drawing from memory then you're kind of um, responding to a feeling that you had or or maybe you've got the the image in your head and so it abstracts it slightly and makes it slightly more um direct in a way because you're you're sort of accessing that that feeling that you had which is which is why I draw because something um well first of all it's sort of like an itch (laughs) but also um uh, something strikes me in a way like it's a bit strange or it's really beautiful or um and so yeah it's a combination of recently I've been sort of drawing out and about and then coming back and um trying not to look at photos but just look at the drawing and mm. and combine that with the memory that I have in mm. my head um but it's it's also yeah, I, I got my mum gave me a, a really cool watercolor set for my birthday, and um, I'd never used to use color that much because I always felt like it's something that I didn't really understand, um, and there were rules and, um, but it's something that I really I see all the time, but I didn't know yeah. how to represent it or yeah. replicate it or yeah work with it, and. Um, so I've been really, I've been using those a lot and, um, but it's a weird material because I agree layering and all of that, it feels like yeah. there's, um, a lot of technique, which I'm just trying to work out. You're good at it though. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Do you have a favourite medium? You, you work a lot in ink and, um, gouache and watercolour and, uh, pastels and and printing do you have one that's sort of the most sort of natural to go to or is it more like you match the medium to the 
the subject? I love black ink and I have um and I haven't been using it recently because I've been trying to work in colour but um I have these uh you know those watercolour pencils that um paint brushes that you can put water in the stem in, in the yes. stem in the yes. handle yes, um <laughs> they are so cool because you don't have to carry around a pot of ink which is 100 yes. percent going to leak everywhere yes. <laughs> and um so you can put yeah fill them up with ink and then you just squeeze and mm. um and they've got these really nice uh, <laughs> nibs. It's not a nib. What's the word? I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, that works. That, I know yeah. what you're talking about. Nice. Um, but it Long. means you can do really, um, really thin, detailed lines and really fat lines. Yeah. And so that that's um, if you have a cut, a few with different d- um, dilutions of ink in them, yeah. um, and then they get a bit dry. So then you can do scratchy things, and you can do yeah. all sorts. I, I really love them. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start working oils, but actually I've, I've been, in September, I just got sort of five pots of acrylic, which is yeah. something that I had a bit of a hang-up about, because I don't know, I, there's this funny kind of hierarchy, and it yeah, seems, um, yeah. and it's only like oil painters, but yeah. I don't know, but, and then obviously you can get really beautiful effects and um, with oil paint, but it's... Uh, and acrylic can look quite plasticky, you know, but it depends what you're yeah. going for. And I had, um, uh, and I've got all these materials at home that I don't want to buy out here. So I'm going to pick up when I go home. Yeah. But as a result, I've, I've just been um, using quite um, cheap stuff, finding paper on the street. And um, it's really, it's really liberating because materials yeah. are really expensive yeah. and it puts a lot of pressure on, on your work. Um, yeah. And so it's cool having cheap stuff to experiment with. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it would be nice. I, I think, obviously, you know, good materials does make a hell of a lot of a difference. So. Yeah. Um, I really do want to talk about colour because you say you're um, a bit wary of it, but I think you're so good at painting things in sort of non-local colour, but in such a beautiful sort of dreamy way and you're brilliant at balancing colour and and there's such a sort of maybe an examination of light in all of your work yeah that's not really a question but it's just a statement um but yeah I'd love to talk about your approach to colour and do you think along for a long time about what colour you'll use or is it just a much more like instinctive um yes talk to me about colour well um I suppose I'm really interested in things glowing and mm. um, sometimes that's uh, bright colours glowing through a sort of dark background which I've been working with recently just starting with a um, a big piece of paper and covered in a almost blacky blue or a blacky mm. green and then um, uh, also, yeah always starting with a with a colour on, on the background and then using that yeah. to to kind of choose which ones come into that like if it's a blue then I'll have oranges and yellows or pinks coming in and then yeah. equally if it's you know the other way around or and I think that um I used to think too much about it and then also would often get stuck in sort of colour fishbowls <laughs> I don't know where I couldn't yeah. I could only use like green and pink and I'm I'm still there are still colors that can draw me back every time and I'm slowly 
trying to break out of that and um, uh, use different ones. But um, yeah, I suppose the thing that that appeals to me is um, uh, sort of buzzing space and fizzing sort of spaces and grey areas, but in using colour to achieve that. And I... um, uh, I, I, yeah, so that's what I'm experimenting with at the moment. But I, I really don't have um, uh, a specific technique or approach at the moment. But that's what appeals to me. Um, yeah. And there are so many books that I could read. And my mum has a, a lovely um, sort of library of these, which I'm going to delve into. To because to, I think it's I think it is useful actually, um, mm. as as well as just doing your own thing. So I've painted lots of people from life and there's a beautiful sort of connection and stillness. Um, but I've rarely, I haven't really had the experience of painting a sort of a, a landscape or a, a place um, from life. And I, I want to know about that sort of, I'm particularly thinking of your beautiful paintings you did in Marseille and also the ones you were referring to earlier in the Alps. Um, there's there's such a sort of sense of stillness and I'm wondering what what's the experience like of sitting somewhere and really observing it for a long time and then how does that how do you remember that and um does does that sort of play into how you remember a a place does that is that does that question make any sense oh i suppose so well that the the um the act of sitting somewhere and uh looking at something um for a long period of time is is really wonderful because you you start noticing all these little things that you um that weren't part of what appealed to begin with um and so it's very very meditative you know that's what's wonderful about life drawing is that it's um you're it's just you're focusing on one thing which is quite rare unless you like frequently practice meditation whatever it's just a you naturally go into this state of focus yes so the question was (laughs) (laughs) Um, sort of about your your relationship to places where you spent a long time observing them oh yeah well yeah yeah I think um in in Marseille especially I was um it's a sort of manageable city um and there were points that I would um go back to a lot um Uh, and you do, yeah, you do start to form a relationship with that particular hill or that view or that strange statue, um, and you see it at different times of day as well, um, and you get to know it sort of very well, um, and you see it, for instance, there was this, so there's this, um, enormous hill, um, right in the middle of Marseille with a big church on top and um, people in the summer especially are there every, every evening watching the sunset and it's um, it's got this extraordinary kind of panoramic view over the sea and the hills and the city and um, yeah I'd go there sort of every evening sometimes in the morning um, and you'd see different people gathering there and um, it's a having drawing is a nice excuse um to to just sit because you're you have to um and it's so easy to be moving around all the time but 
and yeah and then you start to kind of construct a space through um through drawings um and yeah and it's the same as in in, in paris just moving around going back to the same places um and uh yeah You've touched on this earlier, um, but in relation to um, the series you were exhibiting in Falmouth, you refer to sort of examining your foreignness in a place through image making. And I'm wondering a bit about that sort of, is it to do with computing new sensations or light or, I guess, ways of life through image making? I'm just, I'm really, I'm really interested in that idea. Well, um, I don't think I realised at the time that's, what value it had in um and and there were times when I was in the Alps that (laughs) sitting there drawing just felt so ridiculous because um you know I was living with a farming family who um you know work extremely hard and um have to depend on like the weather and environmental yeah. elements to live and all this kind of stuff and so me sitting drawing or painting just felt quite ridiculous so in that way it kind of di- it sort of distances you and you're yeah. observing um so you're you're kind of removing yourself from the situation but um in observing you're you're kind of pinpointing your role there as well yeah. um yeah, I find it. I find it. It's a. It's a useful tool. Um. I find that I draw a lot more when I'm in un, sort of um, unfamiliar places, and that's partly because maybe if you're on holiday, you have time. Um, but I think there is something in sort of partly just wanting to document a new experience. Um, but th- you know, through drawing, it's documenting the sensations of it rather than you know taking an iPhone picture. But yeah, I think I think that's a beautiful way that you've you've put it. No, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, when you're in a um, an unfamiliar place, your eyes are just on stalks, and you want to yeah. record everything. Yeah. And and actually, yeah, the idea of recording I find quite interesting because um, it sometimes feels like a bit of an obsession, yeah. sort of getting down all the information around you, um, and something you have to leave something sometimes like I I feel like with Instagram and you know with our camera rolls and stuff it's so tempting to sort of yeah collect all this information around you and we're sort of obsessed with it you know it's interesting when I was at home for you know the months of lockdown I didn't I hardly drew at all and I recognize that that was because I was in a very familiar setting but at the same time there's always something to be interested in a lot of your titles of your drawings and prints refer to air. Um, and is that is that something conscious or is that j- perhaps just either your drawings evoke something from the atmosphere of the, the day? Um, yeah. I don't know. Titles are a funny one because I often find that my titles... I don't really think about titles. And um, mm. uh, so that I often end up giving really boring ones just instead of... Um, stating the place that I've drawn or whatever mm. but recently it's focusing a bit more on the kind of um, more conceptual side of what's interesting mm. me um, that's always been sort of buzzing underneath mm. I suppose thinking about air <laughs> I suppose 
it links to the gl- to the glow of things, to things being mm. luminous, and to um, also to movement as well, because I um, things moving through space and um, boundaries being quite sort of unclear. And mm. I'd love to work a bit more ex- exploring like tone, so gr- like mm. um, to use that to um, create sort of fizzing spaces and stuff. Because I, I'm. Uh, I don't know, I suppose thinking about air, I'm interested in nuance and um, negative space and all these things. So the word air is just, I I just put it there because I I suppose I'm trying to group my ideas. I've got so much buzzing around and so um, starting to experiment with titles a bit, it it almost be like, yeah, this one's about this and it feels like something certain and something quite useful maybe. But I, um, I haven't, reflected that much on them they don't they don't don't, um determine what the work is about necessarily at the moment have you always been a a a painter and a a drawer that's that's a strange word i know your mum your mum um is a painter isn't she have is that um influenced you well there was a lot there was always um creative stuff going on at home and um uh was always making I think I was always drawing I'm not really sure um my sisters were I think yeah it was it was, a, it was a creative environment but um I uh yeah they would would sort of dance around different projects and when I was about 13 I started making clothes and stuff and I got yeah. got a few sewing lessons um with a lady in the village and that kind of got me going so I don't yeah. know if actually um so I was more making things I think and then um and then I in my last year of school um there I was sort of uh there was a really brilliant art department and um I had some wonderful teachers and I was in London so again somewhere new um really started to have a sketchbook on me and I had a long tube journey so um would be drawing people on the tube which is quite funny because <laughs> obviously it's quite hard to do sometimes you don't I never know these things when you're when you're drawing people or you're taking pictures of people like what are the ethics <laughs> within it because you know they're not giving you consent to do that but um I think drawing is slightly less um invasive uh yeah. Well, that's what I find. I, I find it really difficult to hold a camera, for instance, or a film camera. I'm not used to that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so then I um, I think it was really when I was about 17, 16, 17, that I just started really drawing a lot. And, and then yeah. we'd go in and out of it when I was at, um, when I was at Edinburgh because yeah. I, I, I found it quite hard, the balance between, his, his, you know, doing something academic yeah. um, and... Um, and you know doing lots of drawing and also even just when we were discussing works of mm. art looking at it through a um you know a, an academic point of view rather than wow they've used that color I want to do that yeah. or, I, yeah. or oh my god that's wonderful and and um and you know I really struggled writing essays and stuff because um I found it uh quite yeah quite hard to separate those two Mm, mindsets of looking at a work of art and um almost actually like going to galleries now I went managed to get to a few before the lockdown in Paris and um 
it was all, it had sort of a few crises um, walking around like the Louvre and stuff being like I don't know how to relate to works of art now because um, uh, how do you do that as an artist you know I, rather yeah. than as an art historian or whatever and, um, yeah that's my growing yeah. up story oh, I so relate to that confusion about how to re- relate to a, a, an artwork because I think I I maybe never did quite lose the um oh my gosh they've used that color and they've used that brush stroke and you know I wonder what they were thinking when they were doing that and I do remember some of my tutors being like mm, okay <laughs> that's sort of an interesting point I think I probably I always tried to choose essay questions that were about an artist so I could really get into what they were doing and what they were making and what they were responding to and what they were trying to say maybe rather than sort of a slightly colder more removed approach but I think both are completely valuable and um worth having but yeah I do I do struggle to remove the, but there's, the I mean, painter I brain I always thought um you know there's that really interesting course um fine art history of art sort of five-year yeah. thing and I think that's a brilliant idea but I having said that it makes me think that you know they experience that as well that having to balance yeah. a sort of artistic practice yeah. then also writing but then I suppose it's a very con- it's quite a conceptual course so you know there's a yeah. lot of thought in writing yeah. um, I want to talk a bit about your costume designing as well and your working with fabric because I think that's um, probably just as important for you um, as your painting do, do you find they ever sort of converge I know you um, you've done those beautiful paintings of sort of um, is it Elizabethan costumes and things like that you've done beautiful paintings of those so yeah how do, do you feel like they're sort of different parts of your brain or are they all kind of in the same I suppose one designing and making are quite different um, approaches I think they're starting to converge which is really nice because I think that um, until quite recently I felt the pressure of choosing one or the other but um, at the same time they've always been um, costume is always something I see when I'm walking around a, an art gallery um and I recently read a book um flipped through this big exhibition um book about Picasso and theatre and I knew that he had designed costumes and sets and they were all the you know artists um and Matisse working with the Ballet Russe in Paris and stuff and um I've been really enjoying looking into that because it's sort of um shown me that how interlinked they are and of course they are because paint you know yeah. these paintings have characters and yeah. and light they're kind of mini stage sets and they're yeah. following narratives and and the same goes for you know sets and costumes looking like a painting I don't know I I, I really love yeah. it and for these artists they were sort of um able to do both I really feel quite anti-specialization because I, I don't mm, think that it's helpful and it's yeah um luckily like our generation is sort of starting to be allowed to, to do lots of different things and that's more acceptable yeah. because we have to yeah. but yeah. um and that's exciting because um I I, I don't want to have to choose one or the other um and uh, to be taken seriously or whatever after being in Marseille I um well, I was making costumes in the opera house. Yeah. Um, it was uh, part of my year abroad, which was really lovely. Um, and that was sort of sewing every day and yeah. um, 
was really was really brilliant for that because I made so many mistakes and learned a hell of a lot. And then after that, did six months at um, Christie's in Paris with, with the sort of old master paintings and old master drawings. So two very different things, but really started together in, in quite a nice, quite strange way. Um, yeah. yeah, so I'd like to be able to um, sort of go ahead really marrying them. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh... I feel like the um, the pressure to specialize so comes from the pressure to like commercialize and you know to be like I am this kind of painter. But I think that is so stifling, and it's so important to be able to just make in your own way. And yeah, like like you say, I'm so glad that our generation of multi hyphenates um, are able to do that. Um, and the other thing I was thinking, I went, when I was at Bournemouth, I, um, there was a lady did a talk, she was a costume designer, I wish I could remember her name, and she was talking about costume drawing and how important that is to her um, her practice, and, and she she would paint on the most, I remember she brought those, um, you know, like chamois leather, like you'd clean a car with, she, she brought those in and she was like, I painted on these because that suited the style of the performance and this is how best I could communicate my costume designs. Maybe maybe I'm thinking I can see for you in your costume designing, you can um, bring your prints or whatever into it. Hopefully. I, I've recently been thinking about set design because that is something I really haven't considered but um, seems to make quite a lot of sense. It's yeah, a place yeah. where all these things come together. Composition and colour and texture and space. We'll move on to some questions that I ask all of my guests. The first one is, can you tell me about an artist who's made an impression on your work? Well, I suppose that's quite nice about studying history of art is that there's a, I feel like I've got a bank of artists to kind of yeah. refer to. But um, I did this uh, wonderful course in my final year. It was a nice combination. In my final term, I did... Um, French medieval manuscripts, and which is something that I, I really love, uh, illuminated manuscripts and um, the sort of, yeah, the medieval mind kind of looking. Yeah. And then also I did um, this uh, sort of contemporary theory course, which was so hard, but presented me with some really interesting... Um... But what was, was I on that? Was that the same? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it was, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. That was... That one, yeah, yeah. Did you enjoy it? I it was the hardest course I'd done at uni and it was the most interesting yeah I really enjoyed it yeah it's fantastic um I really hope that that course continues but um yes it was a sort of deep dive uh and baptism of fire because I've never done that before but um yeah it came up with so you remember we looked at Charlotte Salomon? Yes. Oh, yeah. such beautiful work. Oh, my goodness. That was so amazing. And, yes, so she was a Jewish artist who made this amazing set of work uh, called Life or Theatre, um, which is a sort of epic visual. This was during World War Two, and she was um, uh, in the south of France. And it was, yeah, this enormous visual documentation of her life made... Like in the space of a year, which means that she must have done like two or three paintings a day or something, um, and they're incredibly vibrant and um, beautiful, and sort of tragic and terrifying because she it was I think she made them 
after having been released from one of the camps in France and before being rearrested. And so they're majoring an extremely precarious um, period, hiding from the Nazis and um, also sort of uh, being with this lover. And, she, and they, I, I don't know, I love how um, this idea of life or theatre as well they kind of document one tragic event after the other, like lots of family suicides and stuff. But in this, um, I don't know, very um, uplifting way that also celebrates life and um, something very moving about this, you can kind of see that she's working extremely quickly um, because she's very like aware that she's unlikely to you know you know might not survive the holocaust and so it's you know it's very um very moving but yeah the apart from anything else the the visual appeal is i don't know extraordinary these kind of glowing colors and um these yeah flowing lines and these weird compositions um which kind of look like a comic book strip they're very sort of filmic these compositions and the the figures floating in and out and um, slipping between scenes like the film. And I think it was uh, also, she kind of planned for it to be put to music and I think there have been some um, sort of stage interpretations or mm. um, or at least the drawings have been used in set design and stuff, I think. Um, but it's what's really lovely is it's beautifully documented, um, archived on... Mm a website, the Jewish Cultural Quarter in Amsterdam, and they've got all of them, and the translated, because there's, there's words as well, extraordinary kind of poetic um, script alongside. Um, but yeah, I find her work extremely moving, and the fact that she was pronouncing her status as an artist, um, despite everything being against her, um, working against her, which is an understatement, but um, yeah, I find, it, I find her work really inspiring. I love looking at this... Um, this archive online and I'm feeling a bit stuck so yeah I I agree I found that series extraordinary and I remember that she didn't she only have three or four colors of paint and only had little tubes and she managed to make these four colors just go so far and um, make such an extraordinary series Um, my next question is what impression would you like your your work to make on the world well it's quite a hard one because I feel um at the moment I'm sort of pinning down all these threads that have been floating around and um I suppose I I don't consider what I'm doing at the moment as a very public project um even though I am putting them online um well, I, I dip in and out of Instagram. I don't really know how to interact with it. But, um, yeah, so I feel like I'm in quite a sort of period of flux and so I can't really imagine or uh, hope for a specific effect or future effect on other people. Um, but I would perhaps like to mm, enlarge perceptions by drawing strange links or unusual combinations yes. or... Um, I don't know, I, su- I suppose I'd like to um, draw attention to everything we we don't mm. know and can't yeah. see, you know, the invisible, um, mm. and to celebrate the, I don't know, the presence of mystery and uh, to make people less afraid of, of it, because I think it's 
something that can be really liberating, this accepting mystery and trying to, to visualise it. Um, so, yeah, I suppose that's what I aim for. I'm really glad that you put your work on Instagram. I know it's a slightly odd place, but I I always really enjoy seeing what you're making. And and also, I think, particularly if, if you're drawing a place or a person that I know, I, I love seeing it through your eyes because sometimes, sometimes it'll be like, oh, I know that feeling, but I don't know, walking across the meadows in the evening with the lights. I know that feeling and you capture it beautifully. Or you capture something about a person I love or you'll capture something that I hadn't noticed in a place. And I think um, that's really beautiful. So, um, yeah, thank you for that. Um, (laughs) Another question I ask, which um, could be related to your um, previous answer, is, um, is there a piece of work, piece of art in any medium that you think, if everyone encountered it, would make the world a better place or help them understand something? Um, Because I think art's um, so good at communicating things. I had a little thing, and this is an artist actually I haven't thought about for about a year, but I saw an exhibition of hers at the Scottish National Gallery, the Modern Art Gallery, um, last November, and uh, she's Katie Katie Patterson, um, and she's a Scottish artist who actually went to the uh, ECA, the Edinburgh College of Art, and um, it was the most one of the most extraordinary expressions I've been to. Um, yeah. And there is there is one work in there, but but sort of briefly, she, her work slipped into um, sort of context of our place on Earth. And she works with scientists and researchers um, and creates incredibly engaging installations, um, which are very poetic and yeah. uh, effective and accessible. Um, which is extraordinary. She's dealing with enormous <laughs> subjects yeah. of of our like yeah our life on Earth and um, space and the universe and things. But she manages to present a sort of um, a, a sort of yeah digestible slice of this to to I don't know shake the ground on the feet. But there was this one work that particularly struck me, which is um, called Earth Moon Earth, and um, it's in the exhibition space. It was a, a grand piano um, whose keys were playing on, on their own, a sort of disjointed, strange version of um, Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. And um, so f- it's quite a recognisable piece. Um, and behind, the story behind the work is that the, the piece had been translated into Morse code and then sent from Earth... Uh, reflected off the surface of the moon and then received back Um, and there were elements of the score that were missing or slightly altered and uh, and so it was retranslated back into a new score and then played on this piano and I just I love first of all it's just quite spooky but I love the idea of this um, new kind of moon made score and um, the way that it was presented, like witnessing this um, sort of, <laughs> uh, yeah, this s- space touch. <laughs> I don't know how to, or this this touch from yeah from space on this man made machine, um, and 
Yeah, it was it was really extraordinary. I ended up sort of writing, using it as a subject for this poem that I had to do in French, which was the first and last poem I'll write in French. But it's um, uh, yeah. So the universe and the environment are quite constant themes in her work, it seems, um, and uh, she uses them in extraordinary ways to reconfigure our understanding of time. And um, her her website is really beautiful, and it's. Um, each work is really um, clearly kind of explained and represented. But, um, yeah, so I suppose she somehow makes things of enormous scale comprehensible, which I find very admirable. Um, And, yeah, she kind of offers a a slice of this um, and in a meticulously constructed way, working with scientists um, and researchers. And I love how her work presents art and science as kind of interdependent um uh and uh it it sort of shakes our foundations but in a, she has a very gentle touch and so it's not off it's not off-putting these aren't grand concepts um lofty kind of things that um only some people who've studied you know done a master's can kind of grasp yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, she has a series in the exhibition. She had a series of sentences which, um, uh, which she calls kind of ideas that may or may not come into being. Um, and uh, I like that idea of of lifting the pressure off ideas, almost having this kind of um, just accepting invention and playing with things for the sake of playing, not necessarily having a um, a. Uh, final product or whatever yeah. um so a few of these sentences i noted down because they're really lovely i don't know so this is one which is um a wave machine hidden inside the sea it's just like really lovely sort of idea yeah. um another one is the sound of the universe carved into a dot um and then another one the universe's lights switched off one by one <laughs> and they're just i love them <laughs> i really really enjoy it yeah um, so I hope that everyone will be able to see her work at some point. Um, and yeah, there's lots of interviews with her online and stuff. Halfway through you saying that when you mentioned the piano, I realised that I've seen that exhibition as well. And, um, and it is, there's, it's such a sort of magical way of making the universe a little bit tangible. Particularly, I remember those, the, um, she had a, a festoon of lights and each one had been, sort of dimmed or brightened to um, the same uh, luminosity of um, a particular constellation of stars. And they were sort of right there, and it was as if you were... You could touch the stars in, in a beautiful way. And I I, I think, this, um, like you were saying, I loved the, the, the fact that there was so much science behind it because space can be so incomprehensible. And, and um, particularly, I, I saw it relatively recently just after lockdown, and... I, you know we've been in such a, an insular world um in you know in isolation and then suddenly I was reminded that there's this enormous enormous place that we live and it was um uh yeah really helped to recalibrate my approach to the world I suppose um and I'll just I'll mention for listeners I think it's still on display and it's free and all you have to do is book a slot. So yeah, if you're Edinburgh listeners, you can go and see that 
next weekend. <laughs> the final question that I ask my guests is, um, do you have any recommendations for listeners of things you've been enjoying reading or listening to or watching? Um, and I know, Honor, you've noted something down. So what's what's your recommendation? It's a podcast uh, called Material Matters and by Grant Gibson. And it's... Um, it's really cool. It's like he, he interviews artists and makers on a on a material that um, with which they're sort of intrinsically linked. But often it's yeah. weird stuff like seaweed and beeswax and I don't know, um, or even weird. just like craft activism and stuff. Yeah. They're very um, varied. But there was this really lovely one on um, inventing, which is not something that I really considered as a um, an art form or a or a job <laughs> or whatever, um, but it was um, interviewing Dominic Wilcox, who's an inventor, yeah. and um, yeah, he's um, very sort of calm soul that sums up creativity in a really beautiful way, um, and a, also like an advocate of playing with ideas and materials for for the sake of playing, just like yeah. just like children do, um, and he has this um really beautiful kind of uh it's like an organization or he's doing a residency or something where he um encourages children to uh invent things and i think he maybe gives them a subject or something and then um and they come up with all sorts of things and then he takes their ideas to um crafters and uh professional um sort of sculptors or glass blowers or whatever and he and he um makes those ideas into reality which I really love because it's I think it's so important to take to take the ideas of children seriously to, to an extent um and yeah so that's a really beautiful beautiful episode and a lovely podcast <laughs> brilliant thank you that's that sounds so interesting I'll have a look at that. I'm looking for some new podcasts so um I mostly use this section to, for recommendations for me which is it's gone well so far before we bring the interview to a close is there anything you wish I'd asked you anything you want to talk about anything you feel like as a a glaring hole in my my questions oh no I don't I don't think so I think it's um the first time that I've uh yeah (laughs) just articulated these things I suppose so um uh no nice questions really enjoyed yeah speaking about that stuff (laughs) oh well I've I've really enjoyed um hearing all your thoughts I I think because I lived with you in in our second year of university and then you went off on your years abroad and I remember um I remember sort of seeing your your style sort of evolve from your beautiful ink drawings and then bringing colour in and I've I've really enjoyed sort of being nosy and watching um watching what you're making so it's been really nice for me to um be able to prod (laughs) a bit into your into your brain and you have inspired me to get my paints out because I need to do that thank you so much Honor for being episode six thank you Laura